Good morning. It is April 2nd. We are in episode 18. Welcome to Leather and Limits. We have quite a few extra special people today. Um, We're doing a very special event. One, we have moved to our own server. That by itself is a huge, huge thing for us. We're super (laughs) excited. And with that, we decided to rest on a leather round table of swords because we, God knows, we're both leather. Most of the people that are with us are all leather, as far as I know. God help us. And it was long overdue. We we warned people ages ago that we will occasionally talk leather. It's the nature of the beast. We are. We care about our community, and we think it's important. So it was only a matter of time. Um, with us today, we have um, Master Carrie, Kim, Matthew, Miss Rue, Wicked, Wealth, and of course, the two of us, whether you like it or not. Um... <laughs> I'm exceptionally excited for all of you to be here. This is actually a really big deal to me, um, just because the sheer volume of people all sitting in one place and talk and shop. Mm-hmm. Um, usually what we do, and Miss Rue and Kim are familiar with this because they've done this before, but we usually will go around the room and let people kind of talk a little bit about their journey, who they are, where they're from, at whatever level of comfort they like. Um, so feel free to take it away, starting with Matthew, if you'd like, if you're comfortable with that. Sure, start with me. <laughs> I just pulled a rabbit out of a hat. Don't feel bad. There you go. Not like putting me on the spot or anything. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I've been in the leather community now for about 15 years. Uh, I came into leather and public kink scene through heterosexual MC leather. So definitely a different spin than what many people have had. Um, at this point, I uh, am part of a group called the Society of Monarchs, which is a Southern California-based leather brotherhood that's for uh, dominance and sadists. And I try to get out into Southern California and work with as many groups as possible just to be a part of the community. And uh, I think I'll leave that at that point. Oh, yes. Well, we're welcome to have you. And definitely representing the the hetero side of leather, I think, is just as important because that's a lot less visible than people realize, let's say. But moving on. <laughs> um, Wealth, would you like to take that on? Uh, great, thanks. I'm working, excuse me, I'm working on half brain power today oh. after last night. Um, that's all of us, don't worry about it. <laughs> I came into it in the latter 80s up in the Seattle area, well, in the naval shipyards. Um, Joined a a leather household, got invited to join a leather household up there for a while. Um, And after that, once up there for about almost a year and a half and then bounced down to san diego once they restationed us um got into the scene there for a while and being navy it wasn't always consecutive involvement due to deployments and so on but um you know and just bounced around being nomadic between military and just a nomad in general um had about 
took a 14 year hiatus due to a vanilla relationship, but the last two years of it, I got back into kink because it just being vanilla wasn't cutting it. Um, and then, you know, I was involved up in Sacramento for a while and then another couple of years hiatus here and there. Um, and also in the military, that's where I found out I was by, <laughs> um, and now down here in SoCal, after being up in Sacramento since 07 until 15, and then laid low for a year in SoCal until I could find a community and, you know, both in BDSM and leather. So here I am. That's that's it. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Well, we're honored to have you. No question. Hey, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, I gosh. Um, I got into to this sort of alternative relationship, you know, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, about eight years ago, uh, something like that. I was just leaving the military at that time and um you know kind of got into a room with with different people and you know was going to a bunch of different classes as much as i could you know i went to all sorts of just 101 you know kink styled classes you know on flogging or you know spanking or or what have you and you know, I, I I leave these classes, you know, really, really wanting more. And I I kept thinking to myself and asking other people, you know, what's what's the more part of it? You know, how how can I how can I go further down the rabbit hole? There's gotta be something else. Um and you know, you you ask that enough times to to enough of the right people and you kinda get pointed in, in a you know the direction um and for me it was it was into the leather culture and leather lifestyle since that's where you know a majority of the quote-unquote harder players you know existed so that really sort of facilitated the the next door opening or, or reaching that next level and being able to to see and be around people that this isn't just a a weekend, you know, jaunt out and, you know, call it good at the end of the night sort of thing. You know, it's, it's carries over and, and exists much more predominantly in, in the day-to-day life than, than it does a lot of other people. No, it absolutely does. We're happy to have you here. I'm a firm believer that it's not just, for us older guys, so to speak, it's it's not just an old person's game. I think young blood and leather is just as important, if not more important, coming into it with fresh eyes from a time period that is very different from when we. So the fact that you chose I'll... to join us anyway says a lot. <laughs> well, I'll point out that uh, you know I'm I'm 29 right now, um, so it's it's. Yeah, I got into this this journey right around uh, you know the the legal drinking age, which was cool. It, it opened up a lot of of doors to kind of peek into to the 
the different avenues since you know the the club scene was never my my thing <laughs> i can't say the same i had the unfortunate problem of living in south florida i was doomed but that's another story for today um <laughs> master carry um, my my journey starts interestingly um started doing rocky horror picture show in high school and that's a very unique crowd if anybody's ever done rocky horror i'm very and that led to us hanging out in drag bars and heading into the community that way um kind of discovering kink i've always been kinky at heart um hanging out with that sort of crowd and then ending up with uh, discovered uh, Gloria Brame's different loving was my uh, oh there's a vocabulary and people who do this and there's terms for it discovery um, which led to uh, local munches and founding I founded Smoky Mountain Power Exchange in 1998 in East Tennessee to start education formally in the area. Um, most of the leather that I encountered was in Atlanta in the 90s. Um, published the very short-lived Leather Journey magazine in 2004. I was Mr. Southeast Leather Fest 2006 and first runner-up to Mr. World Leather 2006. I lost by one point. Um, Took a little bit of a hiatus after the title year. Anybody that's been a title holder knows it can be a very grinding year. Um, these days, I am the designated extrovert of the Carter Johnson Library and Collection, the founder and director of the Leather Annex of the Carter Johnson Library and Collection, and a host of other irons in the fires. But my journey has been uh, coming up on uh, 30 years. So that's me in a nutshell. Well, we are very happy to have you. Honored to be I'm here. Thank you for having me. Coming up on my 30 years, too. It's kind of scary, actually. Not going to lie. Um, Kim and Miss Rue have been with us before, but if for those that are listening for the first time, if you all would give at least a Cliff Notes version of your own journeys, if not the whole thing, entirely up to you. I'll rock, paper, scissor you for who goes next. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my name's Miss Rue. I reside in Central Florida, Orlando area. I am... Um, now, some things have changed. Um, I am now a member of management at the Woodshed. And I run a couple of things through here. I've been leather. Um, well, it depends on who you talk to on how long I've been leather. Um, <laughs> leather kind of snuck up on me. And I evidently was kicking and screaming all along the way until I gave up and was like, oh, yeah, you guys are right. Um, so there's that. I um, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've actively been on this journey for about 
eight years now, I think. Something like that. But it's been ingrained in how I was raised. So it's actually been a lot longer than that. But no, that's just me. Well, we are always welcome to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I think the longer version, the longer versions in the other podcast, it'll sneak out here and there. <laughs> I mean, if somebody wants to go back and look, it's certainly there for all to hear. So. Yeah. And last but definitely not least, we're absolutely happy to have you as well, Ms. Kim. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Um, so I've been um, in the scene, I guess, maybe 15, 16 years, uh, walking my leather path the last 10 um, I identify as a uh, leather dyke daddy. Um, I think I I've mentioned before I my first I first dipped my toe into leather when I was in my early twenties. I'm, I'm 55 now, um, and uh, that first taste was uh, was MC Het leather, where I um, you know got the shit scared out of me. And I, and as I've said, I've never regretted that. I learned a lot about consent and how this, how these things work. There was a long break. I came from Indiana to California in 1992 and uh, was untethered for a long time until I found a San Diego leather community and um, they set me on my way. So I have some mixed feelings about uh, the San Diego community, but I, I have to give them credit for um, sending me in the right direction. Hell yes. Yeah. Well, I'll say thank you to them because it means we got to actually meet each other. That's good enough for me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go into my own journey if someone really wants to hear it that badly. Both. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to tell yours <laughs> if you'd like, Miss Imperatrix, but uh, mine's been told enough times if someone really wants to look at it, they can go find it. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't mind. Just, just you know, for those that might be joining specifically for this episode, um, my I've been in kink now almost twenty years. I think, or shit, I think it is actually twenty years. Um, oh. it's, it's okay to take it a does, moment. Does Trust take me. Up on you. Wow. Um, I have only openly identified as leather for probably the last five years. Um. But kind of like what Miss Rue said, I've been leather a lot longer. My background is not military. It's not MC. It's through law enforcement. And so um, I came up through a much different path. And I was lucky to be taken in and started being shown a lot of things about the community and what it is to actually start identifying openly as leather um, from the gay community. And so... My my path is radically different than most people's. Uh, my path does not look like the average person even now, um, because in in terms of leather, I'm not affiliated with any household. Um, I've actually steadfastly refused to be a part of any household, and so it's I, yeah, mine's definitely a unique story. Um, but I am a community organizer. Um, I'm an event organizer. And I'm very heavily involved in the Los Angeles kink community now after having been a transplant from the Orlando kink community. So I, too, am from the dirty, dirty South. No idea what you're talking about. Um. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to own that. I know everything. Oh, absolutely. 
the biggest problem that all three of us have is unfortunately we all happen to be in the kink community in that area at some mm-hmm. point, even if it's slightly different time frames. So with like you being ma- management in the woodshed is something I'm not only familiar with, but one, congratulations, because I haven't had a chance to say it properly. <laughs> Two, I am so, so sorry. <laughs> Thank you, I think. <laughs> it's also that. Um, congratulations, and I'm sorry, all in one. You're right. Well, and ten, 10 years of my childhood were in the Orlando area. So oh, God help you. Go. Come with y'all, too. Oh. I was going to say, did anyone else pass <laughs> through starting, there we should know about? I mean... <laughs> it's starting to resemble that, that well-known fact that every known serial killer has been through Florida at some part of their life. Yeah. <laughs> just discovered Orlando is the epicenter of all of this perverted stuff. <laughs> oh, in the I feel the like worst we should way. have a patch. Have a really like, though, I survived, I survived South Florida. Right? Definitely. Shar <laughs> uh, my girl. Shar is here in the audience. She is a graphic designer. We could have that probably by the end of the podcast. <laughs> That's fantastic. Take my money, right? Well, right. and it's I won't. You know, now I'm going to feel like I got thrown under the bus on this one to be the odd one out. But I'll do the Cliff Notes version of you know because I was also go. in South Florida. Um, <laughs> it was mid '90s. I have a very weird coming in and that I didn't come while I did my share of time. I didn't come from military. I didn't come from MC. I happened to be a 19-year-old kid in South Florida. Now, anyone who's been to South Florida young enough to understand the night scene there is one of the biggest nightclub entertainment capitals of the world. You cannot shake a stick without finding a nightclub in South Florida. It's a joke. The problem is when you're 19 and fresh out of high school and you move from New York... This is like a candy store. This is not healthy. It wasn't going to be healthy. I didn't know that then. Um, But it was a friend of mine's older brother who, you know, there's questions nowadays about whether or not it was tactical or not. I don't think it was genuinely. I think he just saw things in me and thought it was a good fit. But he approached his elders in the house that he was part of. And he had them come to me with a screening, and I ended up joining a household in South Florida. Back in the days where Black Lotus parties were still a thing, and the woodshed was still a budding, you know, hole in the wall, as it were. I don't think it was a hole in the wall even then, but you know what I mean. Um, And so my journey began in a household that was, as a pansexual man who had already figured out that part of myself, in a house that was led by a gay gentleman. But alongside a second-in-command that was straight. And it was an interesting dichotomy in that this house was ruled by both sides of the coin. And a lot of their profile, as a result, kind of balanced in between. But they also were very certain about education. Education was a huge focus for our house. To the point where you weren't allowed to represent the household at parties until you were considered competent enough to not look like an ass. It wasn't like going to the bar and you decided you were going to start wearing chaps to show everyone else you were dedicated. It was, you're not allowed to show your face as one of us until X. You were welcome to walk away before that, but it meant walking away from the household. And that's just the way they did things. So, you know, going on 30 years later, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> you're old. Yeah, well. <laughs> One of us had easy, to say it. Easy. I, I live with a partner that reminds me on a constant basis. I don't need help. <laughs> I'm laughing. You know, I I wanna I wanna share. 
you know, it's it's so funny to me that, you know, I, I meet so many people that have sort of a, a l- lack of a better word, sacred entrance into this <laughs> lifestyle. And, you know, how how I kind of, you know, st- stumbled in was was I was in the military at the time. And, you know, where I was stationed, there was absolutely nothing in either direction, in any direction for an hour. Um, you know, so, so we had, uh, heavy winters and nothing to do, you know, we could, uh, either drink and get into trouble or, you know, just sit in our rooms and, and wander the depths of the internet and play our video games. And so, you know, my, my first entrance was I, you know, kind of burrowed into different chat rooms you know, finding, you know, just, just open conversations and stuff. I mean, you know, I, I was, you know, would go into one, would talk with somebody and they'd recommend a different one. And I keep, keep going level to level. And I, I stumbled into this, (laughs) into this chat room and, you know, I, I was talking with people and stuff and, you know, people are, are posting different, uh, different explicit pictures or videos of themselves or or what have you and i'm like cool you know i'll i'll scroll past the dicks and and get to the the boobs and stuff and you know that's that's my my sacred journey (laughs) and uh you know eventually i i came to start talking with somebody that was in that in that uh group and you know, we got to, got to talking, started dating and stuff. And, and, uh, she mentioned being involved in the BDSM lifestyle. And, you know, I said, Oh God, I've, I've got no idea what you're talking about, you know, start over sort of thing. And, you know, it was kind of this big awkward pause because she, she asked me, well, you know, this, this, group chat that you're in is a pretty hardcore exhibitionist uh fetish group chat um mostly bdsm people and i'm like no i've got no idea and so you know i through through dating her i ended up traveling to where she's at and she was in the the new orleans community and and hosted things and you know that sort of stuff and so i kind of got this this quick this uh this quick baptism into the the lifestyle by going and visiting her and and i think that the first night that i was exposed to any sort of bdsm was i i did a scene where (laughs) where uh my back was lit on fire and i had a bunch of knives pulled across my my back and you know it's it was really just jumping into the the deep end and so it's it's so funny to me how how so many people describe this you know sacred sort of upbringing you know always been involved and you know calling to you and all that sort of sort of thing and you know i i got involved because i was a pervy online name and just looking for for (laughs) for dirty pictures. (laughs) Well, I would imagine that anybody of my generation that wasn't in a big city, the internet is a big part of, of 
our sacred entry. Yeah. Because we didn't have, you know, New York, San Francisco, like you're talking about South Florida, LA, you know, there were scenes. Um, Knoxville, Tennessee didn't really have a scene. (laughs) So (laughs) anybody that was in a smaller area, that's going to be, I think that would be a common theme, a very common theme. One of the things. Unless you're somebody like me who's pre Google. Yeah, well, we don't like to talk about that, but this is true. <laughs> well, I was technically pre-Google. <laughs> Yahoo, quote-unquote, special interest groups. Um, I have to attend with, uh, agree with Master Kerry on that. We came into the scene very unceremoniously as well. Yeah. We found a particular website, I won't mention which, and on that site, we found out that there was this thing called a munch right around the corner from the house we had just moved into. So my wife and I, who we had been living now, what we would call a 1950s household style, had no idea what it actually was at the time, went to this event to kind of see what the the freaks in the circus looked like. And the mistake we made was we put our face pictures on our profiles. So the Munch coordinator saw us grabbed us and sat us down with some people just to be welcoming. Little did we know what we were getting ourselves into. And 15 years later, we helped run that munch and they're some of our best friends, but that was the leather MC based group that we are now a part of. And there was no ceremony involved in it. There was no, it was just us showing randomly to a restaurant in getting dragged in and sat down next to some amazing people who showed us some really crazy stuff. Yeah, Matthew, the, you know, a munch was my first, oh, there's people here locally that are into this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's, that's our small town journey. I never this may, this may come to a shock as a shock to many of you, but I followed a girl to a poker run. <laughs> that is totally respectable, though. I Dar mean, tax, what kind of thing have you invited me to? Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> See, I find it funny because this is one of the reasons I always love hearing where everybody's journey began, because it really is so varied. It's so much less organized than people think it is. Oh, and one of the things I love is like South Florida, there's a reason I come back to it that way, because it wasn't a grandiose ceremony. But even if I had not been brought into a household. Um, and the others who live down that way can, you know, attest to, there was a place down in Fort Lauderdale called the fetish factory, literally right (laughs) there on the brand label. It was this huge fetish store, clothing, accessories, Mm -hmm. everything, no fucks to give out there in the open. You could walk in off the street and they would hold tasting parties routinely every month that were literally, you could walk up off the street, pay your dues and walk in. This is a very uncommon thing anywhere so even if i had not found a house it's only a matter of question of whether or not i would have stumbled into the parties and enjoyed it anyway i still have a friend down in florida who i love him to death he's a big old goofball and he walks around these parties with a freaking leather skirt and he's not leather he doesn't even really count himself as part of the kink community but he just goes because he enjoys (laughs) it and that's his thing and more power to him i think it's funnier than fuck but i'm never going to take that from him and he yeah. can only do it because of where he lives. It's such a unique thing because yeah. that is not common. And even in big cities, that's very uncommon. 
So my exposure probably would have been up for grabs either way. <laughs> yeah, I think your your examples of the sacred journeys, you got to go a generation or two before me. And uh, that's the stories that I've heard from my elders of, yep. you know, I, I, I took three weeks to work up the gumption to work into the leather bar. And then the the weeks or months they spent hanging out in the bar before anybody noticed them or took them seriously. That's the the quote unquote sacred journey we probably have in our in our mythical minds. It's more accurate than it should be. Yeah, see my first event. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say my first event, like I I didn't know munches existed. I found play parties first. Right. Um and like I I dove in head first. It was like, hey, there's this edgy club. You might want to go check it out because it seems like <laughs> something you might be interested in. I was 19, so I was like, okay, let's go. And so me and a couple of really close friends, only one of them I found out later was actually kink aware and was actually involved in kink um, because they were in their first uh, DS relationship. We walk in and I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea. And I didn't really dive into, you know, reading and erotic literature and stuff like that until after I had been to a physical play space. That was like, I fell in love with it from night one. It was like the smells, the sounds, the people. I was like, yes, I'm home. But I didn't know what home meant. So I found munches afterwards because I was like, oh, people talk outside of here. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. We talk with our clothes on. Fascinating. <laughs> How weird. <laughs> no, you're not screaming. This is what you look like with not smeared makeup. Okay, this I could get into this. So this is what happens when you're not bleeding on the table. Got it. I, <laughs> I can, I've, I've actually got an example of a of a of the mythical sacred journey that we're talking about. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just share a brief version of uh, a, a Leatherman and leather ancestor near and dear to me who's no longer with us. Uh, Squeaky was in Canada and his friends told him, go to the mine shaft in New York. <laughs> so he got on a bus in Ottawa, ended up in, in Manhattan, got off the bus, was immediately robbed. Everything of value oh, that he to had. New York. <laughs> yep. Got to the mine shaft and it was the black mask ball that night. And he walked in with nothing. And ended up being Wally's partner, and was in New York and helped run the mine shaft for years. So, yeah. how's that for a sacred journey? Wow. wow. I mean, I w- I was that's born and raised in Hell's testing. Kitchen back. How's how's <laughs> that for a sacred journey? Arrive in Manhattan, get mugged, oh, and sh- taken in and taken in by the Leathermen at the mine shaft. Completely unkink related. I was born and raised in Hell's Kitchen originally. I moved down to Florida in my t- mid-teens to finish high school because my grandparents were there. So I'm more familiar with old school New York than most people have a right to be. So being hurt, you got off the plane or train or bus and got robbed immediately is like, welcome to New York. Yep. Back then, that really was accurate. Like, I, I'm fond of pointing out the Welcome to New York sign that comes out of the New Jersey Turnpike when you're heading north off 95. And you have the big old Welcome to New York population, such and such, like every state has in America. And someone has literally consistently, as long as I have been alive, there's a big spray painted fuck you under Welcome to New York on that sign. 
And it doesn't matter <laughs> how often they clean it or how many times they've checked it. Someone inevitably puts it right back on there. It's like a calling card to New York, and it's more accurate than it should be, though. <laughs> That's funny. And, like, for me, it was it was kink for... I was kinky and into all of this and leather before I knew what leather was, before I even knew that communities existed. I didn't even know they existed. Right. You know, because I got all of my information from, you know, the CD video shops and the magazines <laughs> and, you know, yeah. all of those things. And by trial and error, like my I didn't have Fetish Factory. I had Home Depot. So uh, uh, it's not wrong, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, and the only reason why we didn't die is because, well, somehow we didn't die. And then we'd be like, well, that was dumb. We shouldn't do that again. OK, so let's try it this way. You remember, like, not, <laughs> you remember not to eat the bath salts. I... <laughs> yeah, no, there was no education. There was no community. There was no, you know, everything was you hope to find somebody who was into the same shit you were. And then that's who you explored something new with. And that's who you learned with. It wasn't until, oh gosh, maybe 15 years ago, something like that, that I even discovered community. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I wasn't one for the, the online chats because I don't like role playing. You know, it's, yeah. it was never anything that I was attracted to in any of the AOL chats or any of the things that I saw online were all role play based. You had to say AOL, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I had to say That's it. True. But it's I know true. it was. And so then, you know, when I, to black was out, able, <laughs> when I was able to get the internet and the internet for what it, it could be used for, you know, it's all the only sites that I could find were very, um, like, caller me. Uh, you know, yeah, things no, like that. I'd forgotten caller me. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Color space. And so that's, yes, all of those were, or it was not adult friend finder, but the kinky version. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a a throwback castle realm. Everybody came in and said, I am new. And someone inevitably sent them to the, the one Oh one link at castle realm. Yeah. And so that's, and That's so way it, back. it solidified the it solidified the whole ideology that women had to be submissives. You know, there were no female dominants. The only female dominants or femdoms that you saw were in the porns, you know, and, yeah. and all of that. And, it, and even in those, it was still all about the guy. You know, it really had absolutely nothing to do with her. She was just being used as a tool. Um and and so it wasn't until the website came out that <laughs> you know I, and I challenge people all the time when we when we talk about the website I'm like go look at your number go yep. see go see where in this yeah. journey you came you know mm-hmm. go, go if you if you want to be curious about something go find your number mm-hmm. and that's when I realized oh shit there's communities <laughs> you know there's people who get together and eat at restaurants and a holy crap and the closest one to me was an over an hour away because i was living in alabama at the time and so i went and then i was like well that's a long ass time to you know eat crappy food and so 
I put an ad out on the website and said, hey, I live in this town. There's this coffee house. I'm going to be here at this day and this time. Anybody in the area that wants to come and meet, come and meet. And a couple people did. And next thing you know, we started our own local community. And, and that's how I even found out how to navigate into more of the real world community, education, play parties, stuff like that. Um, because it, it just, it wasn't ever in an area that, that, that I lived in that it was prominent. It was, that nothing was public. Mm-hmm. See, when I started out um, up in Washington, we were already doing like so-called munches with our house and other houses and people outside of those with just barbecues and, you know, informal setting, you know, more of an informal setting where we could talk freely and didn't have to worry about, you know, being quiet at Denny's or the local bar but we were already kind of mm-hmm. doing the munch thing amongst ourselves, you know, like I said, at barbecues and, yeah, and, and, then our, and then our house, it was, um, you know, if you're going to join, you're going to start off on the bottom yeah. and learn your way up. And somebody else had mentioned it too. You didn't get to make in a public appearance at a play party or a bar represent the house until x amount of time where you (laughs) were you know they felt you were suited to represent yeah you weren't gonna you weren't gonna make the house look bad exactly Mm -hmm. but yeah we were already doing the munches so the first time i heard of a munch i'm like we have already been doing this it just wasn't in a public space <laughs> yeah and my my thought on that was that's the, again the difference in a smaller area and a bigger area there were enough right. of you already that you were doing it together yeah yeah ruse ruse a description is basically what happened here uh somebody was putting a munch together the munch got big enough that it reached a, a critical mass and we mm-hmm. formed a an educational group out of it that's awesome mm-hmm. uh Ms. Rue, you mentioned uh, Home Depot, and it made me think of the, the very first Smoky Mountain Power Exchange play party we had. A member had a completely unfinished and empty basement and said we could use it as a space. So the uh, the morning of the night we were going to have our first play party, we all went through Home Depot. We all met at Home Depot. And and we were all in. There was one cashier open. I feel called so out. So if you can imagine, if you can imagine this this lovely little cashier, somebody goes through with. We went through. Let's see. I bought. Oh no! All the two by eights to build a St. Andrew's cross, the bolts, the hardware, rope, chains, and then I went through. And then the next person came through with ropes and chains and clips and and just imagine six different sets of people buying stuff to build a dungeon in consecutive line at Home Depot. And by the by the last person, the cashier just had this this suspicious look on her face like, you know, I don't know what y'all are up to, but it ain't right. <laughs> well, Trying not to end up on a watch list. That's right. right. Well, that's that's something we would do both in, in Minnesota as well as you'd have three to five of us would go into the local farming supply shop and you'd have back to back, you'd have us getting crops. 
Tractor supply down here. Yep, exactly. Yep. Because farming supply is infinitely cheaper than you're, buying you're getting, any other Yeah, way. you're getting horse horse tack and you got it. crops. Yep. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. Just, where where else are you going to get hard points supply. that are braced to 2,000 pounds plus? I mean, and the safety uh, the safety releases. That's where we bought yeah, the right. safety That's... releases. Yep. Exactly. And you'd have yep. just shopping carts full of crap. And people are just like, y'all raising animals? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay animals if that's what the you two, want to believe <laughs> the two-legged kind yep <laughs> well you know when you have like a collected 15 crops between like five six people just because you like different types and they're like that's a lot of horses <laughs> yeah and they were like sure 6.99 yeah mm-hmm. exactly and it's and and that's one of the things that like i'm grateful for the fact that I came into it when I did, because when I actually did find community and did find people, the the community that I found was ran by leather. And so I got exposed. The very first exposure to I, that I had to community was leather, but I didn't understand it. You know, it's hmm. so Carrie would know who I'm talking. Well, anybody might know um, the it was Master Hines and Judy. Yeah. And um yeah. Yeah. and he Master Hines, he was a crotchety old fuck, but you loved him. <laughs> What's you know, was? he was one of those old salty sergeants. Like it but he wasn't a sergeant, but he just was one of those kind. And I didn't know any different. I didn't know that you didn't pick at people who had been covered and was crotchety and stuff like that. And so we would sit next to each other at these munches. And, and he would just kind of look at me and I'd just kind of look at him and then we would start talking and then we got to know each other. And next thing you know, I'm stealing fries off this plate and everybody else at the table's <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, who does she know you can't do that? And, <laughs> but it, it, it just worked. And, and I'm grateful that I was surrounded by that environment because it taught me, okay, they do what I do, but there's something different about them. And this, and I thought it was military based because I, I'm not prior military, but I'm associated with it and the military I understood. So there was a lot of commonality from that, that I could pull from to be like, okay, I get this and I get that born and raised in Daytona beach. I've been around MCs, you know, in some way, shape or form, uh, for my adult life. Okay. I can pull from that. I get that. And, you know, dad was a, was a cop, been around that kind of leather mentality my whole life. And so I just started having all these things and then everybody kinks it. And I was like, wait a minute. So I'm, I'm grateful for the way that I came into it because it gave me so many frames of reference that I could pull from my life that made the kink aspect of it. Um, not as taboo for me because if all these people have these things about them and they all resonate with things that already existed in my life then this must not be as bad of a thing that I thought as I thought it was maybe I don't have to hide it as much as I thought I did Um, so yeah for that I've always been very grateful Yeah, I was I was very lucky in that my first public play space that I went to was was PAP, Lady D. Uh, in fact, my second or third visit there, uh, as soon as we walked in the door, everybody was excited. Master Hines was about to do a scene. Mm-hmm. I remember the the 
we walked in the door, they're like, oh, you're just in time. So, yeah. The very first pl public play party I ever attended was Heinz's house. Yeah, That's nice. awesome. Yep. And I knew that our group had made it because they were very heavy into vetting. You had everything had to be vetted. New groups couldn't exist unless the groups that existed approved them. Yep. And and gave them the go ahead to exist, basically. And so I knew that our community, our little community was going to make it when Heinz and Judy came to my house for a play party and played in my house. <laughs> and I yes. was like, yep, okay, we're good. We're allowed to exist. <laughs> well, and we've, we've, the three of us, touched on this during the episode that you were part of. Um, but it's interesting because South Florida, those are the roots of how South Florida is. It was a statewide thing where, mm -hmm. the like, I won't speak for everywhere else on the planet because obviously I wasn't anywhere else. But everything was run at some point by someone in the leather community. If you go deep enough at those mm -hmm. days, especially in the 90s, yeah. you could not shake a stick without someone in leather being in charge at the bottom line. Always. Always. But as a result, every group, every house, everything was ratified and approved like a freaking student council body. Yep. All of it. Good and bad. Like, I, I won't say it was necessarily a bad thing in the concept. Obviously, as we've touched on, we don't need to deep dive today. You know, it had its flaws, and those flaws have worked themselves out over the time. Some of it. But I think the structural concept held a lot of weight. I think it was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what we were talking about before we started. You go... You go back to the things that people long for or think wistfully of from the past, and it's the, the you know the, the organization or the or the the tightness of the group or the the fact that people were vetted and and you knew who was around. It was it was smaller and and therefore easier to have some oversight on. Well, and it was I won't say it was pre digital age, but the digital era didn't have the same impact on local spaces back then does today so mm -hmm. you knew pe like people knew each other by face over once you attended a party or two they started seeing you around people could vet you like okay this person has come back more than once and they're not a complete shit i guess we can talk to them like yeah. it sounds silly and basic but it really was back then because there was no digital anything that way like people laugh when i point out the you know the the darker facebook's um but I didn't even join that till after my divorce. I wasn't even on the digital like presence of kink until more recently in the last five years or so. So there's an entire, like I knew about them, but I was never part of them. Yeah. My journey kind of coincides with the rise of that. So yeah, I, I saw the early days of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, hey, it got me here. No, totally. That was, as Dartax. Just saying, um, in that kind of environment in the earlier days and the vetting, it also helped in quickly weed out the undesirables within your community. Unlike today, when you have a bunch of people coming in and it's harder to vet because of the digital age to a degree, there's a lot more easier access into the community due to the digital age nowadays oh well, you know i i think i think that's 
interesting because it it varies so much you know community to community because you know i've i've seen seen some groups where you know they they only welcome people who are very specifically mindset to theirs and you, you know anybody that deviates out of that um is going to be made uncomfortable enough to where they you know essentially pull out themselves um you know and 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 maybe maybe that's the difference between between leather versus kinkster um because i've i've seen that most with the the kink communities where you've got you know sort of the the cool kids group the pretty people the you know those the little that have, yeah the the little click and and group and and it it makes it really difficult for people who deviate away from that to get involved especially when you know everybody in that click is on whatever board or on you know whatever overlord overseen sort of thing for your your community is um it can it can make people with slightly different uh perspectives or journeys or or what have you it can make it really difficult for them to find their their space. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I feel like the the click mentality it will be the demise of us. Yes, because because people dig their heels in, even if they intellectually uh, believe that something is is wrong or or even will go against a core value that they have. The the click the click prevails. And um, I think that's the most disappointing thing that I'm observing currently in the leather community is that, you know, some people will be divisive um, at the cost of their own integrity. uh, Well, with that being said, Kim, that leaves the question, their integrity then (laughs) to some degree. (laughs) Yeah, two things. This is this has got me thinking about. Um, the first is the <clears throat> the reason that I took my hiatus from the community um, mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands was um, late two thousands was the that there were two major incidents that showed me that the self policing that that you were just talking about was ebbing, and we weren't taking care of it like we used to. Um, and I've forgotten the second point, so I'll let it come back to me. <laughs> you you know, happens. I'll I'll kind of I'll out myself a little bit here because I think it's it's so important to to draw an example. But I I'm current law enforcement. Um, you know, I've God I've been you. in the <laughs> I've mm-hmm. I've been in the the leather lifestyle, the kink lifestyle for far longer than I've been in law enforcement. But because I've I've suddenly uh, aligned myself with in this profession, it, it creates such a divisive and reactive response from people, yeah. and you get you get groups or individuals that you know only see you for your profession, and they they aren't willing to to look at you and see you from the lens of of 
Leatherman, Kingster, uh, Brother. I mean, all, yeah. all of these other other lens. They only see that individual. one specific thing. Right. Yeah. Specifically individual. Yes. It, a- absolutely, and and so it it creates you know a, a really difficult you know way way to exist because you you want to be open uh you know about yourself and and that sort of thing but you know whether you're coming from law enforcement or or any number of of any other you know sort of labels you kind of have to introduce that embrace yourself you know you have to kind of be automatically defensive at the at the front and and that just doesn't feel productive and and it, it no. you know the more people understand that you know there's there's every facet that makes up the you that you are i i think the more value is is comes from that you know so so we're able to kind of contribute to those communities leather communities leather groups and and continue growing instead of you know stunting ourselves based on uh profession opinion or you know political opinion or or what have you at the end of the day we're we're focused on the commonality of we are leather or we are kinky or alternative or what have you my girl has, that... a, has a statement she's coined um, revolving around uh, the history of Tony de Blas. Um, and this is not gender specific, just the term. Um, you can't have a Leatherman without the man. Mm-hmm. And you need, to know the, you, know, you need to know the history of the man to understand the Leatherman. I agree with that. I think Wicked I... had it right. Uh, the, the problem we're having now as I'm seeing in general is we're so focused on things that make us different yes. that we're not focusing on what brings us together, our leather, our kink. And coming from Southern California, we've got an overabundance of people and an overabundance of interests and demographics. The problem is we've got this amazing overabundance and we've got a very limited space to do it in. So people end up fighting for space mm. and that's where we see a lot of infighting within the community is I don't have space for my interest X or something like that. And unfortunately, that's honestly, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems we're facing now Agreed. because I have been to amazing events that not only celebrated everybody's uniqueness, but did it together. So the party had every interest, every demographic you can think of, and everybody had their space. It was a warehouse that was sectioned off. And we then could all come to the main area to enjoy the after effect, if you will, of us being able to be ourselves. So awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Kim, I was uh, the second point that I forgot a second ago, talking about clicks. I would argue there's, there's always been clicks, and that's how a lot of the community has gone. And I, I always call it the, um, I, I use a church analogy. Uh, you know, in any in any city, you have First Baptist Church, I mean, you have Second Baptist Church, I mean, you have the First Protestant Church, and basically all of the all of those are a faction, a little clique, 
broke off and decided that the other faction was doing it wrong and they went and started their own thing. So you get the first, you know, the, the first group of leather and then you have the second group of leather and then, the, you know, the, the, ind the independence. That's how all the different groups in the areas have formed is, is See, through I that evolution. I find that I, perfect. Um, go ahead, go ahead, Kim. I mean, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, but this is just my own observation. I find that these are, you know, these are not always clicks about values. These are clicks about personalities. And yeah, yeah. Um, that's the part that's scary. Yeah, I mean, I, I could get behind, um, you know, we used to we used to say, you know, let's we find our tribe. Right. Yep. And and I could get behind that because. When I would hear that and I, I would I would meet people who called themselves a tribe, they based they based their tribe on on some values. But mm -hmm. now what I find is these cliques that develop, they're basing their cliques on you know, gossip or opinions of other people oh, about how they move about in their leather. And uh, that is where I have a problem. And that's why I think the click mentality will be the demise of us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I wasn't I wasn't contradicting what you said. I think if you take what you're talking about with clicks and what Matthew said with the the divisions, that's exactly what we're facing right now. The yeah, it is. together is exactly. Well, and this yeah. is this is something I find interesting because I'm I am can identify with Wicked's problem on a certain extent, and he'll understand when I say this. You know, I have been in contract security for the better part of my life. It is one of my biggest – it's been my biggest career move. Behavioral psychology is a skill set within it for those of us that actually are professional. And the act of being a uniformed presence calls you out whether you want it to or not in so many different spaces – and no less so in kink, to where you have to be careful who you tell it to. Even by accident. Like, just the fact that you're a person in uniform has such a dramatic effect on the way people treat you. And by yeah. the same token, the the joke about the church thing, and I can point out in Florida and parts of the Bible Belt, where you'll have the first church in so-and-so, except there will be 50 churches in the same town saying they're the first. And it's a great oh. example of the same problem. Everybody wants to be first. But you can't be. <laughs> right. Stop worrying about being first and start worrying about your congregation. I I think one of one of the things that that we've got to uh, I don't know sort sort of address in some way is you know what one of the things I was told by somebody here within my local community is the the fact that my profession is what it is my presence is automatically triggering so therefore i need to openly disclose my profession upon first meeting so that other people can choose whether they are exposed to the trigger and no one else has to do that though yeah, and and like I, I, I don't have that's... to walk into a space and say, "Hello, I'm a healthcare worker. Are you okay if I'm here?" <laughs> yeah, I totally agree that that's utter bullshit. I don't care what your profession is. That should not be your first concern in an environment where outing yourself is a risk. Yeah, yes. I, I, like, I, I let's, think let's talk yeah. about how co contradictory that is on principle. You have to be outed for yourself as a profession in a professional setting where you're not allowed to out yourself for risk of any of us. You know, I'm more comfortable with my being open than most, and I recognize that most people don't have that option for one reason or another. 
But in a kink space, you shouldn't have to care. And that's the point of the kink space. Exactly. Agree. It's always been that way. Kink and leather. Where you come from in vanilla land is irrelevant, and it should be irrelevant. That's kind of the point. Absolutely. Well, I, but I will, I will say, kind of to that point, though, I have to agree and respectfully disagree to a point, because your vanilla life does change and color how you view the world. This is true. It does. It does predispose you to a lot of things like prejudice and stuff like that. And you, you don't. When you walk into a dungeon, you don't <clears throat> drop all of that. It's still a part of you, and it may be an ugly part of you that you don't want to acknowledge. And that's you know the shadow work you got to do yourself. But to, I think it's altruistic, but but naive to try to suggest that when you walk into a dungeon, all of that just falls away. I won't. It doesn't. I won't say that it falls away, but someone else should be able to walk into the same dungeon and be treated exactly the same regardless of what they do for a living. That shouldn't re be a required sure. badge on entry. That yeah. much I will always stand by. The rest of it, I don't disagree with you. Like, I get, you know, no, you can't stop being who you are when you walk in. Yeah, I mean, you know, unless it's some extreme, then you're the leader of the clan. As far as just general everyday people, yes. I think what's interesting is you're seeing the people that are expecting law enforcement to out itself are the same people who are vehemently opposed to being expected to out any other facet of their beings, their sexuality, their gender, any of that kind of thing. They're the ones who fight the hardest against that. Yet, as soon as you mention law enforcement, they're expecting some kind of a neon sign above your head. Well, it's it's I won't say it's a universal rule because that's being disingenuous. But I always find it fascinating that throughout history and we don't need to deep dive on this more than we have to because everyone will understand what I mean. But throughout history, it is amazing how people will say. But we should be equal when their actions are not. And I'm not saying good or bad on any particular faction, politico, I don't want to even go near any of that crap today or previous history. But it is always people who are already themselves not acting equal that seem to scream the loudest. Absolutely. They want to be a little more equal. Yeah. Right. More <laughs> equal than everybody else. You got it. Yep. <laughs> to, to avoid to avoid going down that rabbit hole and to bring it kind of back to the point. Absolutely. Uh, agreeing with what Kim and Matthew said, um, ACES, the, the, the group that we're using for our education and uh, running hosting Leather Chronicles and whatnot, uh, we came up with the concept of encouraging, I, I, I highly encourage the separate spaces, you know, go to your spaces and do the things that you want to do separately. Right. But then, um, uh, I don't, was it wealth? I don't, I don't remember who said about the coming together at the end. That was, that was a concept that we incorporated into this too. Have your separate spaces, but then come together as a whole mm -hmm. and, and celebrate that. And I think what, what I'm hearing everybody talking about is that's what we would like. How do we do that community wide? How do we encourage both? Well, that's that's ironically a conversation I've been having a lot in the last couple of months, um, leather and otherwise, and kink as well, in a few different places. And I always come back to the same thing. I don't care if you're black and leather. I don't care if you're Asian and kinky. I don't care if you're a stoner that likes being beaten once a month. You're all valid, and your spaces are valid. I want you to have them because I understand the need for them, whether it's cultural, 
related, whatever the reason is, I want you to have a space you feel comfortable in with like-minded people. I don't want you to not have that, but especially if you're leather, you should be able to take that, have your space, and remember your space is part of a greater whole, because that is part of what makes leather leather, is it doesn't matter where you come from, and Kim comes from, and Matt comes from, and I come from, we're still leather regardless yeah, there's that yeah and it's not because our, our individuality is just as important it's not any less it's that it doesn't replace what we are as a whole as well why can sure. they not be parallel is the key element there not and I think, irreplaceable i think i think they are and always have been historically right. in the community yes yeah you know we were discussing uh before we started um i mentioned that the community as a whole has always been at the same time in different places segmented and unified um you go back in the you know the mcs and the gay leather historically had their own spaces and then in the 70s with ulan spiegel and janice um you had a coming together and a a melding of the spaces Mm -hmm. and i mean even if you go back through pride uh, leather was welcome at Pride. Leather was not welcome at Pride. We, yep. it, it's it's always cycled. I remember uh, we had Midori in Nashville. She came and did a class in Nashville in 2003 or three, I think. Um, and uh, some members from the conductors were there and invited a few of us to dinner uh, with the, the president of the conductors. And just the conversations we sat around a table that evening having, um, really, the the point I remember from that was uh, the conductor telling me about uh, the gay community. We were talking about segmented and and um, discrimination and oppression in in a society as a whole. And I, I, it was the first time I ever really had this brought to my attention that leather was a put down segment of the gay community uh general gay population would look down upon and disrespect leather and it was just fascinating to me to hear a gay leatherman say that he was diminished by the general gay population because of that thing that you do it made it gross or what have you and that's what we've gone through with pride over over decades now um kink is not welcome you make us look bad it used to and now currently they're trying to bake us into the the lgbtq community whether we want it or not as a whole i was in the pride parade in minneapolis this summer and we were Mm -hmm. chanting kink in pride because they were having that pendulum swing the opposite direction in minnesota pride was welcome but they didn't want the leather segment there so it's it's, it it always cycles for whatever reason well minnesota is a unique I won't say unique because it's not the only one, but it's it's in a specific place because Minnesota is one of the bigger localized communities. I should say live communities, whatever you want to call that. It's one of the bigger ones by a large margin. And a large part of that, ironically, is the opposite of what it's there because legally it is one of those places where legally if you touch another person, it is considered, you know, in any kind of violent matter, it's considered aggravated assault, whether you consent or not. Like there's no room for consent in their laws. So they don't have yeah. public spaces in any real capacity. They can't. Right. 
So for them, separating kink and leather is a very important thing because they have to for safety. Like, yep. um, while I was there a few years back, they actually had a situation and I'm, I will never not remember this because it's a great example of a variety of reasons why we're safe and why we vet and all the other important factors. Um, but not long after I moved to Idaho, one of the regular groups I was a part of had a situation emergency where someone actually ended up dying after play oh, due to oh, severe right. injuries because a mod was not doing their job when it mattered. Yeah, yeah. you can imagine the either. ripples that came from that. <laughs> yeah, um, clearly several the people went to either. jail. Yeah. The top was one of them, along with the mod was considered up for, you know, just because he was accessory. And at that point, that puts mm -hmm. everyone else in the group at risk who was there. Yep. Yeah. Right. Just because they were there in a witness. That is devastating to a community. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. And doesn't that lead us immediately back to the conversation about self-policing, vetting, and making sure people know what they're doing? Yeah. Well, and it's oh, why. Yeah. Well, but there's, there's another piece to that, though, because. Yes. Reality is going back to what Master Carey was saying. You can be kinky. You can be leather. You can be kinky and leather. You cannot be kinky and be leather. You know, and I I have a lot of mixed emotions with trying to force no, or being, I see what you're saying. feeling like being forced as somebody who identifies as leather to be accepted into the LGBT umbrella because I don't, I go back and forth on it. And I know yeah. I've got a controversial point of view with it because part of me, I understand what is trying to be achieved but I also don't necessarily see my leather as being my sexual expression. Same. I'm right there so with you I, on that, actually. I have, a, I have a lot of complicated emotions around all of that because would it be great as a leather person to be a protected class? Absolutely. <laughs> right. But <laughs> Of course. But I also see how that would start to diminish what that means to be protected. I also recognize how that undoes some of the work that's led us to this point. And oh, I think that's where the rub is for me. I can understand <laughs> that though. Cause I, I've been pansexual my entire life. So I've, I've always been quote unquote, part of that community in the sense of, I have never been completely heteronormative. I've never been, never will be. And I'm okay with that. Like that's irrelevant to this discussion as far as I'm concerned, other than, I was brought into leather and kink back when leather and kink were almost still synonymous. And right. I think that's the part people are still figuring out how it separates is because it wasn't really that long ago in terms of societal evolution. It's only been in the last 30 years that they've truly started to separate with any parody. Because yeah. before that, leather usually was running the show or was the only show in town in many places. So it is yeah. natural, especially when we're talking about, you know, pre-80s, where inherently most leather was still gay as well. So mm -hmm. all of this being linked together once upon a time made perfect sense, especially here in America, where they generally were all in the same basket. Yeah. And in the last two decades, now we're finding the separations. And my leather is not inherently sexual, even though my kink is. Yeah. So and, I get and it. Imperatrix, imperatrix to what you said. It is definitely a complicated subject. I mean, yes. it's complex. There's no um, perfect answer. There just isn't. Right. I think I think that evolution that you're talking about, um, probably you could trace it back to safe, sane, and consensual, and yeah. the term yeah. BDSM, which mm -hmm. were were both two terms that were coined to make us more palatable 
to the vanillas or the normies, however you want to say it. It was to um, give them a box they could look at and see the label. Yeah. Yes, but it was a nice label. It wasn't and the sadomasochism and, and yes. Well, yeah, and, and sadism doesn't sound pretty on a label. Those those well, terms, it was really others. interesting because I've heard stories of, of you know, safe, safe, and consensual at one point was something one person, and, and the name is eluding me right now, came up with, and then BDSM was the same. And over the course of time, it became a preach. And then mm -hmm. it reached the point to where the people that originated it and pushed it for its purpose, it was being preached back at them. And they were like, hey, this was something we came up with to make us palatable to the normies. Don't preach it back at me. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I think, I think the separation of leather and BDSM kind of ties into that because mm -hmm. By making it more palatable to a larger population, we ended up with more population. And it kind of splits at that point or along that, yeah. that path. And I think yeah. that's part of it, too, because, I mean, SSC, as a term, like, ironically enough, it and Rack generally came about the same time. But Rack was essentially just a description of safe, sane, and consensual for people to keep it simple. Because right. it was simple. The concept was common sense. Back in a time where that was much more reasonable to say and not have people laugh at you to even mention it in passing with breathing humans. Um, I think part of that also is we forget, not necessarily we, but most people forget, is in the last 20 years, the kink community has grown so vast compared to what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the population of the world has too. Don't get me wrong. In the last 30 years, the world's population has blown as it will. That's the nature of population growth. But kink as a group or percentage has also extrapolated in a much bigger way than anyone planned for. And it does mean these ideas of vetting, of local space safety, are not only more important, but somewhere along the way, not everybody was on the same page about it. And so we have this fracturing of how people are safe because there's no universal, this is how you should do things. And I'm not saying there should be per se. Don't misunderstand me. I'm never going to say there's a universal rule that works for everybody perfectly. But I think along the wayside, the concern for local safety never fully wavered, but it changed. Because so many people started coming in locally through digital means. And I think we yeah. forgot along the way that that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is vetted. Mm -hmm. Because they haven't been in the physical space with anybody. No one knows them other than on a screen. Right. And I'm not and there's saying there's a lot anything of... wrong with that. Yeah. But it means they don't have any practical kink experience to vet from in front of other people. And I think we forget that alongside nowadays. Well, And I think... One of the big differences with that is that, and, and I'm saying this through the lens of the, le the leather community specifically, not the kink community, because I deal with both. <laughs> um, running a play space, I deal with both. But through the leather community specifically, we are far less forgiving of people that identify as brand new. We are far less forgiving. I won't say, we, we definitely, I don't feel like we gatekeep help. But I feel like when you come into the king community and you say, I'm brand new, I don't know anything, I can't be vetted, people are like, okay, you know, you got to start somewhere. So yeah, let's get to it. In the leather community, it's like, how did you find this? Who did you find it through? And like, you start getting like the, the degrees of, of interrogation of how did you find this? How did you find me? What did you do? How did you get here? And it becomes like this, 
thing. And so we are far less forgiving of new folks coming into leather. And I will say rightfully so. Um, because I think that was that also harkens back to that mentality of protection, that mentality of protecting the group, you know, of keeping the leather group a sacred space. And it is something that's radically different than kink. And so for me, even when I came in, to hear people preach about SSC, I agree at the time it held value. Yes. It's morphed, just like the definition of consent has morphed. And so SSC doesn't hold the same value and doesn't resonate with people the same way that prick and rack and all of these other acronyms and, and why they kind of rose, you know, and Truth. I think that like for me to just say, yes, I'm SSC, it doesn't really tell me much about how you operate. Mm-hmm. No. And for you to tell me I'm a leather person that engages in SSC, well, I should fucking hope so. It's actually a thought that I was having here. I, I actually mm-hmm. I wrote it down so I didn't forget it. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting thought and a, and a very small discussion that we've been having within the house. And I think this mm-hmm. is a perfect point for, for me to put it out there and see what this group thinks. Um, we were talking earlier about clicks and we were talking mm-hmm. earlier about divisions and uh, somebody said something, they want to be the first. And I'll, I'll take it even further. We want to be the best. So let's talk about the evolution. Let me put this to you. The evolution of safe, sane, and consensual to rack, to prick. And I've seen recently at least two or three other acronyms put out. And in my mind, I saw my acronym is better than your acronym. Yes. Mm-hmm. That has and been going This on. is a perfect group to ask, do you see that as well? And at what point does that go too far? I've seen it, quite a I bit do. of it. Yeah. One, one I would thing have to I, say I it. One, one thing I want to kind of jump in on is, you know, from from my lens, you know, my, my journey, um, leather was sort of the uh, quote-unquote level up. Um, I've leveled up through through kink, and now I'm I'm kind of exposed to leather. Now, I recognize that that's not you know universal standard or or anything, but to to me, some of these things, some of these acronyms are s- sort of on a a rating scale. You know, at at SSC, um, I think of that as as a very basic, fundamental, you know, cornerstone cornerstone sort of thing but when you get into something like uh some of the harder styles of play you can't fundamentally make it safe you can make it relatively safe you can make it safer Mm -hmm. but fundamentally at its core it's unsafe and so you know to me that then that type of play then evolves into something else, rack or prick or, you know, something like that. Um, you, you know, it's the same sort of idea at, you know, public community play spaces that you're not allowed to drink. You you can't drink and play at, at the same time. It's like, well, I, I think that's very good for when you're, you know, starting out or, or at the 101 level or the 201 level but you know i I think at some point 
you know, as as you mature, and, and this is kind of where it it coincides with leather, because I think of maturity and growth and you know, kind of a season to to, to things. Then you can kind of evolve that that acronym into something like rack and and sort of be more open to knowing how things affect levels of risk knowing how things you know affect safety and how to mitigate those things how to keep as much safety there as possible but when you're talking about extreme more extreme styles of play like mind fuck or fear play or you know something like that fundamentally they are unsafe and there's nothing you can do about it without changing the style of play and i i think that that kind of that changes as you level up through through kink i agree with you you to the point that that mm -hmm. that's why i was saying that safe sane and consensual was getting preached back to the people of the generation that came up with it. And they were like, hey, we know that that was put out here for that. I'm sorry, Ms. Rue, I didn't mean to. No, 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 you're fine, you're fine. My my disagreement here with, my disagreement isn't with the acronyms and how they're being applied. I will say I am having a little bit of a visceral reaction to the idea that leather is leveling up somehow in kink. And I'm going to say, I I think it's bullshit. Leather isn't leveling up. Leather is either who you are or who you are not. Amen. And and I know plenty of assholes who are fucking idiots that identify as leather. And if they're the idea of maturity, then (laughs) I I wouldn't think that. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna fully agree with that. I feel called you know, out there's... a little bit, but <laughs> no, you're. You know, I don't yeah, disagree with you say, though. Um... I will say that in in the sense of how we all collectively can agree in leather, you know, we all operate off of the fact that we we walk this path with a sense of integrity. We walk this path with a sense of respect for ourselves. Hopefully, for others, we should. Um, for a sense of community. I, However, I don't think that it, I don't think it should have to correlate with anything in regards to kink because one of the things that I tell people here when they start asking me about leather and they are, and I start talking to them about, you know, how I view it and, and how I see it, I very quickly add the caveat that I have a lot of people that are currently in my life and that I have known previously. And I'm going to, I'm going to use Knox as an example for this because I'm allowed. Um, (laughs) That's fair. um, I knew Knox before Knox identified as leather. However, everything that I use to identify as leather, I would have attributed to her before she identified as. I was just going to, yes, you were. And so uh, you can have all of the attributes of what we call a leather person and never identify as leather and still be that person. And still all of those attributes are still very valid for you. Very much so. And I heard that in the inter- in people giving their introductions who said, um, 
I've only been in leather this long, but I feel like it was longer than that. You mm -hmm. you either have the attributes or you don't. And I've mm -hmm. always said that leather is not something you wear. It's something that you are. Right. Well, and it's something... Right. Yeah. It... Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, well, so this harkens back to... And it came up on the, the leather happy hour. Yeah. Um, there's a question that popped up. And kind of doom scrolling to, to find it because the, the way that the question came up was was kind of about that identity and about you know what goes into that and how just just kind of the the overall like you know how does that go down how do you feel about it you know and what what are your thoughts around that identification and just like your ethics of kink and mm -hmm. and that's why I put the answer that I did even though it's like everybody put these beautiful, like florid answers that were just like in depth. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, these are fantastic. And I was like, my, my line was simple. My ethics and kink mirror my ethics in life. Right. Because they have to. Absolutely. I don't separate those for myself. I am kinky. I am leather. Right. That's who I am. It carries over into business. It carries over into my mm -hmm. private life. It carries over with how I interact with my family. This, and this is what I mean, like when we were talking earlier about the safe space, like for me, all of these things are so intertwined with how I communicate and how I view the world. I can't walk into a space and stop becoming my vanilla self because my vanilla self is tied into my kinky self is tied into my identity <sighs> as a dominant sadist. They all are a part of me. So to, to put forth that notion of oh you stepped into this space you need to check that shit at the door no one's capable of that no. i don't care how much ptsd you have and how ruthless you are with your compartmentalization because i happen to be a motherfucking pro at it <laughs> you do not check all of it at the door your privilege everything else that colors every facet of your interactions with any other person even if they are of the same grouping as you you know well, and so go back to how you identify and how you start interacting with other persons who are leather. I, I just feel like it, it's, it's kind of just being disingenuous to say that, that those things don't happen because they do and we can't control them. It's, it's very, it's subconscious, well, but it's, it's a part of us. And I think, I think part of that, it's interesting in that, you know, commenting on the whole leveling up to leather I think part of that is also we forget that, as we touched on earlier, leather used to be what drove kink as a community. And the problem is that we are not here in this particular roundtable of those people, but we come from the generation where the gatekeeping got at its worst. Mm -hmm. We were not participating in it, but we certainly saw it where if you were not leather, you were treated like you were less. And obviously that was a shitty thing to do. I don't think anyone here is going to question that. But I think part of why the assumption or connection to the idea that leather is better was the fact that leather was simply better organized and focused on education, to, even if it's in some extent compared to the average kink community. And I'm not saying that's universal even, because it sure as hell is not. But I think we also forget leather is not the only fucking kink community out there that's separate. We have Correct. rubber families. We have mm -hmm. latex families. We have all mm -hmm. kinds. We are not mm -hmm. the only motherfuckers that have their own space within kink. Nope. So to assume I, that I we somehow say. are better suggests that the others are just byproducts. 
And that certainly is not something I'd ever say. Well, I don't I, want I, to I ever not... suggest. I was going to say, I don't want to ever suggest one group is better than another because I think right. that's very, very toxic. What I would say is the reason why I think people view leather as being elevated comes down to accountability. There's yes. Accountability looks very different depending on the group, but I think within leather specifically, because we as a collective preach accountability. We preach a higher level of calling. We preach a higher level of yes. responsibility to community and to each other and to our houses. That's why we form houses. And to ourselves. And so I think that also, I will say the nasty flip side, gives a false sense of security to folks that are not used to dealing with leather folk. This is true. Because what I... they see is, oh, you're a part of a family. Oh, you're ingrained in the community. You know, oh, you're, you know, a title holder, you know, whatever it is. Automatically, the associations that get made with that is you are a higher caliber of person. You hold yourself to more accountability. You have a higher level of ethics. Therefore, you must be a safer person. Yeah. Well, And, and the me... reality is, it's not true. Let well, me I've be... got... Sorry, let me get this out real quick. Just let me, be, let me be clear that, Wicked, that I'm not implying in the slightest that you were suggesting that it was somehow better or necessarily like that. Like, I understand that's oh, not what I you were going for either, either, just so we're clear. I wasn't either. I'm, I'm I just waiting don't want there for to my be a turn to interject. <laughs> oh, feel free. Feel free. I just didn't want you to think I misunderstood. No, I, I think it's... I, I think it's interesting. I, th I think the issue is is my own verbiage because Miss Rue, Dartex, uh, Knox, I, I I completely agree with everything that that you guys are saying, and and I think my my verbiage is what I mean by it is that that perceived heightened level of uh integrity or community or you know something along those lines and and i think i just haven't maybe found the right words yet but it's it's certainly along those those lines and and i'm i'm i am in agreement i just haven't found the right well, the right words to really express the idea yet and there's nothing wrong with you personally feeling like for you it's a step even if it isn't universally, there's nothing wrong with that for yourself, regardless. And that's yeah. okay. You're allowed to say, I personally feel leather is a step up for me without it representing anybody else. And there's nothing wrong with that verbiage either, I think. And that's, and that's what I understood him to be saying. Yeah. Yeah. So just to be clear, it wasn't, it wasn't, I think one of the reasons why I, I am quick to feel the way that I am in regards to maybe those words or hearing it. Is because we we talk so much when we're all together. We talk so much about how can we be more inclusive. How can we how can we get the younger generation to um, want to be a part of this? How do we make it sellable? How do we make it attractive? How do we how do we not be the people who Die who out. got us into this in a way? You know, because of all the hoops that a lot of us had to jump a lot of the, and we've all had our stories and we, we oh. all have had those people that have, you know, the gatekeepy stuff, right? Oh, not to be black Lotus. Um, yeah, there you go. That, that's a good one. Yeah. The point, the, the point that I have, um, it ties into what you just said, Ms. Rue. Um, and this is, this falls into the category of, of things that might piss people off. So oh, well. I'll, I'll lead with that. Um, my thoughts on the matter are there are a lot of people running around wearing leather that 
I would consider aren't leather. Oh, and absolutely. they make it hard on the rest of us. They they wear the leather for the cachet specifically because they think it makes them better than other people. And those folks are making it hard on us as leather folk. And that's where we get the, oh, you know, leather is elitist and they're all a bunch of assholes and, and all of that kind of stuff that you hear. And that's Can something I've really noticed. I've, I've noticed that's something very strongly since I've come back. And that's my point. Yeah. Can I jump in for a minute here? Um, Absolutely. Going back to what Miss Rue and Carrie were saying <clears throat> regarding, you know, how people look up to leather as being elitist or whatnot, I feel that, you know, us of the gener older generation um, and those of us, you know, all of us who share that commonality um, that we hold dear regarding leather, um, educate those on leather and then also find out if it resonates with them. And if so, it, it, it doesn't matter if it resonates, they'll actually resonate with them or not. Just being those education, you know, educator folks so to help reduce or you know mitigate relieve whatever however you want to verb it that that isn't leather we're not elitist we're like everybody else and that's all i have to say right now <laughs> and you're and you're absolutely right and and that's what i've discovered is is kind of a project at this point in time but the point is is that that problem does exist well that oh yeah absolutely it touches on a conversation I've had in the last 48 hours that was actually really, really good. And it was, there's a, a young lady who's starting up a leather club in their local area because there's nothing, no information, no data, no nothing. And, you know, I had this conversation at length about young people are coming to leather on their own. We don't need to sell it. What we no. need to do, and it's what people like, those of us sitting here, not part of the problem, so to speak in that sense. And I say it that way for a reason. It's that we came from the generation where the last of the really, won't say the only, because it's still going on today, but there's a lot less gatekeepy fucks than there were then. And part of that is because more and more of us are of that, I want you to come to leather. Will I yeah. be practical and safe about it? Yes. Will I make sure that you're not going to cut your own foot off in the process? Of course. Am I going to turn you away because you don't know enough? No, I'm going to give you the tools. What yeah. you do with them, I can't control, but I'm going to make sure you get them. And it's one of I the think... things like this conversation I had with her. I'm like, here's our podcast. There's other resources here you can find out. And if you have questions, I can point you to the right people. And that is how you welcome someone into leather. If they're yeah. not being an ass, don't treat them like an ass. Give them the tools to succeed. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, oh. the the solution that I came up with it, the the mandate that I give members of our house is that we extol leather values, traditions, and history within the community by example, discussion, and education. Yes. Exactly. I think the other I, thing I think about there's... Go ahead. The, the leveling up or elitism, if you will, is a perception of leather people. Because if you look around at people who are teaching how to throw a single tail 
or how to do amazing flogging or any of the more extreme play, many of them are leather educators. So people go to their class, they see whomever it is who is a member of House XYZ. So they're seeing a lot of leather people who are very public figures who have these amazing skills. And that's why they think it's the, the higher tier. Uh, also, just looking at the profile pictures here on Discord, I'm looking at Master Carrie, Kim, and even Miss Rue's profiles and Wicked's are showing leather and it's showing very strong personalities just in your photos. I mean, Kim, no offense, your photo is amazing. You're not wearing <laughs> a leather patch, but you've got your leather jacket, your cigar, and your sunglasses on. Fuck yes. That just radiates a very powerful aura. And I think that's where some of this leveling up kind of mindset goes because there's a presence to that. Yeah. Well, that, that... I... Go ahead, Kim. I, I just, I wanted to just say something here. I've been thinking about this point um, since Wicked, you know, mentioned the leveling up thing. Um and then since you talked about the profile photo, I, I feel, and I genuinely feel this about myself, um, you can strip away all of those things. You can strip away, you know, my leather, the sunglasses, the cigar, the Sam Brown belt, the boots. You can take all of that away. You can take away um, my style of play. If you don't know any of my skills, you can take all of that away. Um but that doesn't take away my leather. And I get a little right. emotional about this at this point, having, you know, just a recent experience of people coming after me and telling me that I'm not leather and I never was. And um, Fuck those I, I just, I hope that people can understand that it isn't anything about what you see on the outside. This is the way, and this is, I'm speaking for myself. This is the way that I that I live my life. Mm -hmm. Um and I surround myself with leather people that I I trust without really knowing them well, but just being in their presence a handful of times, I trust that they are also living their lives through the same kind of leather values that I do. Um so, you know, it is super fun to, you know, get full cow and smoke a big fat cigar and sit on the boot black stand and and do those things and 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 put on a show. I mean, I'm an exhibitionist. That's part of what that's part of you know, <laughs> what I do. Um, but you could take all of that away from me and I would still be leather. And I uh, and in that, all it does is make me. Um, it makes me a unique human being. It doesn't make me any better than anyone else. Right. It's the foundation of how I live. And I didn't even get to find that until, you know, in the last 20 years. So I lived 30 years flailing around, not really having a foundation of values under me because I didn't grow up with those. And so I am uh, more than grateful than uh, to have found this community. And when people come after that, um it hurts on a deeper level than i could even explain to you no i agree with you and i've i've touched upon it before on one of the podcasts but i you know when i got divorced i left 
everything behind for the price of freedom. I didn't really have a lot of options. My vest, my accessories, everything was left behind in an effort to get where I needed to go. But you can't take who the fuck I am from me. And I have been leather my entire life, and I'm going to be leather as long as I can, regardless of what I have, or who I have, or what I wear. Because I am still me. Yep. At the end of the day. And you can't fucking take that from me if you tried. I'll be dead first. Yep. And that is how Kim, I live my life. Kim, I, I, is this just a personal observation? And but what you just said goes back to what I said. You, it's not, leather isn't something you wear; it's something that you are, and you, right. you just perfectly explained that. But for me personally, as a personal observation with you, I think I've interacted with you a grand total of about three hours on Zoom and in this podcast. <laughs> and my personal <laughs> opinion of Kim is your leather is fucked. So you can. <laughs> to go back I, to what, I personally feel that go, of everybody in the room. So <laughs> yeah, go to what Matthew, I think Matthew said. Looking at the at our pictures, um, you know, I'm a historian. I'm an archivist. I, you know, I collect leather history. Mm-hmm. And you look back at the pictures of Leatherman that I have or Scott has, and you see the same thing back then. You have the folks that have some leather on, but the but the full on full cow leather daddy sunglasses covers, you know, jackets. It it had that effect even when you're looking at, at just historical pictures. No. That that's always been the case. It's no question. It's, it's I mean, nobody is saying anybody is better than anybody else. But you look at those pictures and you're drawn to those folks. Oh wow, yeah. look at that! Agreed. I have a saying that I use quite often. I don't want to know the person that I meet Saturday night at the dungeon. I want to know the person on Tuesday morning running around in their bunny slippers. Right. Yeah. Who are you after the scene's over? Who are you next week when you're at your job? Who are you on the phone with someone in their presence? Like, that is the person I want to know. Not the person who likes getting beat. Because I can see another of those just another... I can snap my fingers and turn around, oh, look, there's another one at at any kind of event. (laughs) That doesn't tell me anything about who you are other than you like getting your ass beat and I like doing it. That doesn't say anything about who you are, though. It doesn't even tell me if you're leather, not leather, kinky, any of that. Looking back on an article in Drummer a long time ago by uh, a very famous leatherman on a very controversial subject, Hmm. one of the things that he stated in it was that everyone in the scene kept their eye out for people who had it and the it is the thing that that we're all talking about here the 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 code of conduct the integrity yeah the things that make you leather even if you're not wearing leather all of that was the it i think and you can and you can interact with people and and you know they have it or not and that's my point with the folks that just throw some leather on and run around and, and put on a, a a persona as opposed to the people with it. Yeah, I think you I think you uh you identify that it in people just in conversation and observing and observing the way these people move about in the community, um how they interact with other people. Um how they talk about people when people are not around. I think all of those things are how you identify that it. Yeah. 
and, and you could it could you could take you could boil it down to um the same thing you know integrity is how you act when people aren't paying attention when, correct when, when nobody sees it leather's kind of the same thing are you putting on a show when you put your leather on and you go to an event or is this how you are all the time and that's i think that's what we're talking about here I do think a lot of that, too, that we're discussing goes back to, call it the intentionality of our meetings, like the intentionality of approaching one another. And it comes down to that that personal thing of what are you seeking that you see resonating with somebody else that makes you gravitate towards them versus the safety that you have to even to go seize upon that, Right. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm going to harken back to something we were talking about earlier because I, I, it's, it's been festering, I shall say, when we were talking about spaces and the need for the community to come together, to have separate spaces, but also to, to come back together. Um, <clears throat> I have a very unique and controversial point of view on that. It, and, and listening to the conversation as it's evolved has kind of helped me frame it a little bit better, I think. But as somebody who identifies as a woman and leather and kinky and dominant, because I think that matters in this context, um, I am not comfortable going into most spaces. I don't feel welcome in most spaces. And so for me personally, um, people that I will seek out and approach because something resonates within them and they're in with me or people that I go, wow, I really want to learn more about that typically tend to be other dominant women. That's not because I don't think other demographics have value. It's not because I don't feel that other people have something to offer me. Obviously, I think everyone does, but they're the reason why these spaces get created is because there's a different type of safety. And yes, I do believe when you engage in broader community, you have to be able to come together. Um, because I think a lot of what we do is identifying as leather is political, but I don't need to do that all of the time. And I don't want to. Now, because, and, and I say that because there are times that being in spaces that are predominantly masculine does not feel good to me. There are times that I'm in groups of predominantly women that don't feel good to me. Fucking um, You know, and, and I will say, because <laughs> talking about political shit, um, as somebody who identifies as openly bisexual, I am not very well regarded to begin with. Um, and as somebody who's bisexual and married to a man who is also dominant, does not get regarded very well. Um, I mean, the, we talk about gatekeeping and all that stuff within leather. I mean, I got slammed with all of it up front, not just in kink, but leather, kind of dogpiling on because I didn't fit into any of these nice, pretty boxes that people identified with. And I didn't have, you know, as a brand new person coming into kink and a brand new person coming into leather... I didn't have anything to offer because I didn't know who I was, especially at 19. <laughs> like I wasn't even an adult yet, really. I wasn't fully formed. Um, right. And so, I mean, you know, Dartex and I have a running joke, but I call people under 20, 
by Farrell, and I do that for a reason. Because um, you are. It is. You are, and it's not. It's not a slight. You know, it's no. you have the luxury of being able to go and play and try things and see what works for you, see what fits with you, see what resonates, and I think that's a beautiful thing. There's something that happens after 25 where you start really getting your sense of self. Yep. And you start yeah. seeing it morph again and you go through another evolution. And that's why I laugh at people. They're like, I don't know what to use for a FET name. It's going to change. Get past it. Pick something. <laughs> <different. Sock laughs> it Give it a Nobody year. Gets a <laughs> Give it a year. You'll be sock puppet 3019. It's true. You know, and it's, it's fine. You know, I, I think I went through three different profiles before I got to Imperatrix. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's and okay. Dom Blast 34. We know who you are. Yeah. Imperatrix. <laughs> literally. Imperatrix. Literally at 25. I I became self-aware and went, oh, my God, I've been a complete asshole and went about apologizing to half of the people I had ever interacted with. So, yeah, that's I personally have experienced that and and promote that concept. Feral is not a bad thing. It's no a reality. It's and it's but that but I say all of that because it took. Feeling not safe to be able to intentionally create. What I deemed to be safe. And it took years of not feeling welcome. It took years of not finding my tribe, as Kim put it. It took years of me not resonating with anyone. Because again, what I saw was a bunch of white guys looked hot as fuck in hot leather shit, cigars and boots, and doing all sorts of great shit. And I'm like, none of these people look like me. And these people behave like me. They, some of them talk like me, but I kind of talk worse than some of them, <laughs> um, you know, because I cuss more than most men. And I started realizing that none of this was resonating. And so I had to go find my people. And I realized I didn't know where they were. You know, internet had just become a thing, but it's not like I felt empowered enough to drop into a Google search, you know, kinky leather women without coming up with a shit ton of porn. And then I was bombarded with the imagery of what that looked like. And so it was like, okay, I need to dress like this uber sadistic bitch dominatrix for anybody to take me serious and go, oh yeah, she's kinky. You know, it, you know, and when you're, when you're in your twenties and you're trying to struggle with all of that, nothing feels safe, nothing feels right. And so for me being thrown into these spaces where I was expected to engage with broader community was not healthy. And I picked up a shit ton of really horrible habits, and I picked up a lot of ideologies that I thought, well, all of kink feels this way. And it was based on, you know, that small subsect of people that I was around on it, what I would call a daily basis. And that's why I will say that I firmly believe people need separate spaces. I firmly believe that sometimes those do need to be racially divided based on some unique issues that happen within those communities. And I don't necessarily feel that all of these smaller communities necessarily need to come together as a larger leather identity because they are not the same identity. The expressions of leather are so different because it's as different as we are. So I think to try to force them to all come together is not necessarily a positive thing because I feel like you're trying to force conformity. Oh, that's that, a valid that to me is That to me is not good because we're celebrating our diversity within leather and what that diverse leather identity means. And so to try to force people to come into a collective community voice, it's just not the same. I 
I always try to come back to, I believe in the solidarity of leather to a point of, if you feel you identify with it alongside me, if your leather journey is so separate from mine or identify differently from mine, I don't want you to feel like you have to be the way I am. I would never want you to do that. I would never want someone's journey to feel like mine. Your journey is fucking yours, and it's valid and it's unique because it's yours. I don't want it fucking homogenized. No, thank you. Oh, yeah. I think I would, there I are several places of overlap that have room for overlap, but I would never, ever want people to feel pressured to be a part of that if they feel the, they shouldn't be. The, Not the ever. Thing that, the, the thing that popped into my mind listening to what Imperatrix was just saying is the, the, the one hard limit of leather is conformity. We, we don't do that shit. That's, that's what it is at its core, is rebellion. to have some space mm -hmm. uh, sorry i'm not sure if i got cut off i think we do need to have some common space somewhere where we can come together i'm looking at, at the people we have in this round table and i know if we kept ourselves separate i never would have met kim who i think is an absolutely amazing person our conversations <laughs> that we've had here and there have you know, been very, uh, very empowering and powerful for me. Uh, Imperatrix, obviously, we've spoken for way too many hours. <laughs> way too many times, and that wouldn't happen if we were all in our own separate spaces. That's really where I'm going. And I know there are a couple of people in the audience that I'm seeing who are the same way. They have leather, but it's a very different leather. I'm lucky enough that we've chance met so we formed these amazing relationships and I've become a better person because of them. That's my concern is if we're all doing everything separately, completely, there's no space for us to come together. No lobby, if you will, that we can all leave our separate rooms and say, Hey, let's go have a drink in the lobby and talk about all the crazy stuff that makes us different and celebrate. I I always come back to the same idea, and I've made the joke about a kinky commune before for similar reasons. You don't have—I can build a house or a lobby or whatever you want to call it with separate room sections or branches, and mm -hmm. these people can be there, and these people can be there, and these people can be there. But you know what? You are not obligated to be in the building, but I want the building to be there in case you do want it. Simple mm -hmm. as that. I don't need you to. You are not obligated to set foot in there. You don't even have to agree with its existence. But if for some reason a part of you thinks it should be there, here it is if you want to have it. The keyword being want, not need. Right. In that you sense. Have to want it. It's what you want, mm -hmm. what identifies for you. Because that's how it should be. And yes, many all... of us will feel similar about it. You know, we sit around this room you know, having different but similar viewpoints because we don't all even think the same, even though we have commonalities. And we all, you know, I love all the people here that I've met over the, you know, last year or so and the relationships everybody's been building. But ultimately, your viewpoints are yours, just like mine are mine. And that's how it should be. It's what makes us unique and beautiful and wonderful. And they don't have to be homogenized. In fact, fuck, I wouldn't like it if they were. I wouldn't be here. If we all stayed in our own lanes, I'm, right. I'm a straight but not narrow white man 
and my <laughs> my introduction <laughs> my inspirations of leather are a POC leather dominant and my leather mother is a POC leather slave. Oh, hell yes. So I I don't get here without getting out of lanes. Right. Well, and I think I think another thing that that you know we we can address here is there seems to be nowadays in the societal shift of kink which involves us is people forget that there's a difference between and and or. Yes. And yeah. and people are are forgetting that it doesn't have to be or it can be and you can be this and that you can it doesn't have to be or so you can have the spaces that you're safe in and you can have the spaces that you resonate in so that you can thrive and learn within the identity that you have and you can also join spaces that don't look like that so that you can share your experiences with other people who aren't like you so that they can grow and learn to be, right. you know, um, more, more educated people. And it, and I think that that's, I mean, we're seeing it in our own respective communities manifest in different ways and people get so, so hell bent on it has to be, or it's, if it's not this, it has to be that it's either this or that. And it doesn't. It can be and. Mr. Oh. That is that's profound. And as you were saying that, the perfect example is TNG. TNG was created to be an on-ramp to the community highway. And somewhere along the way, very early on, it became a separate road. Mm -hmm. Well, it became a separate road for the same reason it was birthed in the first place, because people in our our generation and before were so gatekeepy that it was the only way they started learning for some of them. And I'm not going to get into the ethics of right, wrong, and whatnot. It is what it is now, obviously. It's happened. We're here. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't change what the source was. And the source was a bunch of old gatekeepy leather fucks sat there and said, well, you can't be part of the club unless. And someone who didn't want to be 50 before they qualified or whatever the other criteria might have been in their local area said, well, I'm not okay with that. How do I go about finding out how to learn without your punk ass? Which isn't mm -hmm. necessarily invalid. I don't blame them like, for wanting like for the tools. Example, like, for example, with the TNG in, in my area now, we have very strong, very active TNG, especially post-COVID, right? It's the only and, active space here. And they're, <laughs> yeah. And they are, they are embracing. I'm grateful that the people who run TNG are um, embracing the fact that the word and can exist because no, I am so far removed from TNG because I am so uh -huh. old. However, <laughs> I feel this. However, TNG is inviting me to teach a leather class for their group. And so they're incorporating that word and through their actions where they're saying, yes, you all know Rue, you all know that Miss Rue, you know, aged out before we even existed. Um, but you're here, here she is. You can still learn from her. You know, she's still going to come and she's going to teach and she's going to interact with us. And it doesn't have to just be an or. And I think that if we just start incorporating some of those and actions throughout our communities in right. different ways and model it within, within leather, then 
just as the ore seeped through, you know, it, it has the ability to to counteract it, I think. Well, and it's it's as someone who's, you know, self-styled at this point, because it's not like I make money on the subject, as a kink BDSM and leather educator of sorts, partially because I discovered I have a fetish for it, go figure. Um, I won't sugarcoat that shit. It is what it is. But my target audience isn't the people in this room. You all have experience. You've all learned. You've had your journey start somewhere already. My target audience is people who haven't gotten there yet. And it's not just because somebody needs to. I mean, obviously, yes, someone needs to give them the toolbox in whatever way we can get it to them in a safe, ethical manner. But it's that in some cases, they don't get it without it. They don't have that, whether it's because they're in another part country where even talking about it could get them killed. And there are still places where that's true. If it's because it could cost them their job or maybe they just don't know where to go. Having a global reach for something like that is a big deal for me, not because it makes me special. I This is out of pocket. I get nothing from this other than the solidarity of doing it. But right. somebody needs it. So if I can bring it to them, fuck yes, I'm gonna. Because how else do they get it? Yeah. As much as, you know, there's a much better educational space as, you know, as Master Carey is a fellow, you know, education sort, he will understand when I say there's not a whole lot out there. Not really. There's some, but actual good information that's worth something beyond how to spank someone or how to beat someone really isn't out there except by word of mouth and being put in the hands by people like us because it's just not out there to begin with. Not the way it needs to be with safety and vetting and such. The designated well, I... extrovert because I'm the one out there pointing out the library to everybody. I there do let me, let me get a point in here real quick. Um, as a historian, uh, I do need to point out that, that I don't believe that was the, uh, that's not the origins of TNG, not the original TNG. Uh, the origins that's of fair. TNG were a an on-ramp for young folks there was the aspect of chicken hawking and the you know the the, the creepers and the young fresh meat and it but it was but it was designed to be an on-ramp where they learned the basics and what they needed to know to be safe and have that base education and then on-ramp and be comfortable in the general community and i'm actually uh the the founder the creator of tng is on my list of people to be on Leather Chronicles. So I will Hell be yes. bringing that to the community. Nice. So now after after the initial in, uh, introduction of it and the idea and the concept, I would agree elsewhere that that's one of the things that happened. And the other thing was the, oh, look, I can keep all the cute young things fresh and isolated over here. And that was mm -hmm. a big thing. Mm -hmm. One of the points that I wanted to bring up, that sparked something, it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Miss Rue. One of the things that I've seen, not just in leather, but in kink as a whole, is that people feel like knowledge should just come to them. They don't necessarily set about to seek it out. And one of the things that does bother me, and it's probably because I'm starting to become that old crotchety bastard, is that I'm sorry. Not, I like to educate because it's something I'm passionate about, but it's not something that I'm obligated to do to you. So yes, exactly. I, I absolutely chafe, and, and I hear it a lot, especially from 
from the POC community, and I agree with it wholeheartedly. It is not our job to educate you and do that heavy lifting and do that heavy work for you. You have to come into this being open. You have to come into this with a willingness to go search stuff yourself. You cannot rely on all of us to just impart knowledge to you. And that is something that I say a lot to people that are brand new and they're like, hey, so I see your profile has leather. So like, what's that about? And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, do you have Google? Truth. And face value, it sounds shitty, but it's like, folks, you have a portable computer in your pocket if you're, you know, if you have a smartphone. The only thing stopping you from finding shit out is yourself. The only thing stopping you from learning basic vocabulary and things like that is yourself. So when you engage with leather folk and you know, you finally work up that courage to approach someone and say, hey, I don't know jack shit about this, but it looks cool as fuck. Can you help me? My first thing is going to be, well, what have you done to educate yourself? Yeah. If they tell me not a goddamn thing, you just look hot because you're in leather and I wanted to talk to you. Right. And mentally, I'm putting you in a different box, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and, like, so that does, it bothers me a lot when you hear people say, no, it's, it's our job to educate. It's our job to educate people that are wanting to be educated. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And, and Paratrix, that, that makes me think of a point that I thought of earlier. Uh, I don't remember who said it now, but they were talking about young folks and, and, and folks that approach you and ask about leather. Um, mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that I have noticed is in young folks that approach me about leather is a turnoff, an immediate a wall that they hit is it's you can't have it all immediately. The the, there's a time element involved and they're like, I've seen a lot of, oh, well, if I can't have it all right now, then then. um, Yeah, I'll agree with Carrie on that. It's uh, and it's a generational thing, I think, because we're yeah. in such a society now where it's all instant gratification. Mm-hmm. I want it all. I want it now. Mm-hmm. These are the same people that will show up to a dungeon with a six hundred dollar kangaroo bullwhip and then hit the ceiling, hit themselves, hit everybody else around them (laughs) and get upset that the whip is broken. Yeah. No, you're not wrong though. And it's, it goes back to what Knox said is, you know, I've said numerous times because I do believe in education as, as a whole with kink, et cetera. I will build the fucking toolbox and I will set it out there for you to pick up, but you still have to get out your goddamn house and pick the fucking thing up and bring it inside yourself. Yep. Correct. It'll be a hell of a toolbox, but you still got to actually put some effort forward to get the goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. I've been thinking about, I I don't remember when it it first came into my mind, but Mm. it's relevant here as well, is I I don't know that we need, you know, a lot of that gatekeeping and that sort of thing to to leather, but kind of keeping it you know, so, somewhat mysterious and, mm-hmm. and kind of alluring and and that sort of thing, I think has has its own value. Um, and that kind of lends to the idea of show up more than once or twice and you'll you'll start seeing it more and more. And, and it's not something that you show up to an event one time and it's your first event and now you're learning about leather. I, mm-hmm. I think there's a certain amount of value in l- learning about leather through osmosis, 
simply by showing up, you know, 12 times or, or you know, the number is irrelevant, but showing up consistently and you're starting to see more and more people in leather and, you know, kind of doing the, the quote unquote leather thing. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think that certainly has some value. Yeah. Um, you can't I, mainstream a subculture. Truth yeah. right there. <laughs> so example inference and innuendo isn't instant. There's I don't have a handbook to hand you that has everything in it. So well, and it's there's a time factor. It's something mm-hmm. that they used to do, and this is this is our uh I gotta do the equivalent of final thoughts because we really should start wrapping up as much as it pains me to do so, because I would like nothing more than to talk with you people all day. Uh, <laughs> I love the conversations that have happened this morning. Um, but it reminds me of not just in leather, old leather especially, but also in several other non-King communities. And we're not going to touch on those or out them or talk about them themselves, but we know what we're talking about when we say part of what most of them all have the same common saying, and it's keep coming back and you'll learn something. Yep. And it wasn't to gatekeep. It's to you put enough of the work in to learn what was going on by putting the work in yourself to actually learn some of it by showing the fuck up, not for someone to hand it to you on a platter. And it wasn't ever meant to be gatekeepy when it was done that way. It was meant to mean that you had to actually show your own investment as well, which is what it should be. How do you how do you become a Mason? Yeah, that's a statement of an example. there's, There's bumper stickers. What do the bumper stickers say? To be one, ask one. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's the only way, as far as I'm aware, unless that's changed somehow in the last however nope. many years. Nope, no. that's it. <laughs> it's been that way for thousands of years in that case. Yep. <laughs> so, and, that's what, and that's what we're talking about right here. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. We are about at wrap-up time. As, like I said, as much as I would love to, and I would love to have you all on in a future episode as a gr- I think this is something that would be great to have occasionally um but anybody who'd love to drop some final thoughts this is definitely the time to do so final thoughts with the salt father <laughs> <laughs> your fault I'm stealing it though and no it's fine it's fine I'm for it uh, I'm just here been, for the naked pictures been a fantastic <laughs> conversation I definitely that's fantastic that's my no, I, I appreciate being a part of it. I, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm so appreciative of being here and being included. And I, you know, I think that we have a pretty diverse group here. And that's that's always a good thing when you're sitting down and having a round having a round table. Absolutely. I mean it's been a great conversation and an honor to be here. And I it it all comes down to being a good person and passing on what you know and being able to, you know, yeah, just pass on what you know and help build a, a safer community for all. And hopefully that generation can pass on what you, what they've learned from any of us and just carry it through. It's all about integrity and honesty and being true well well, it's something that you said in your introduction um you know you you didn't get to go out and represent the house until the house knew you weren't going to make them look bad 
And I think to a certain extent, leather kind of has the same thing. You, you don't. It's all about don't do stupid shit. It really yeah. is, isn't it? <laughs> That's really what it boils down right? to: is don't be an ass hat do out in public. Stupid shit. You do stupid shit. Other people are gonna, you know. Oh, okay. It's cool to do stupid shit and it's then like, bring it out into the rest of the community. And then you got a community doing stupid shit. It's okay to be out right? looking like an ass, but you're not gonna do it with our patch on you. It was that, simple, right? you know. It's almost yeah. like being our... by yourself. It's almost mm-hmm. like you've seen the, the the current community. Well, that's funny. <laughs> I'd say that there are, there are people out there doing stupid the stuff. So, yeah. Now, to kind of go back a little bit on what Knox was saying regarding spaces and not feeling fit in. And I know there are some local people here that have been silently hearing I mean, there's drama in every community on various <laughs> levels. Um, <laughs> you know, the recent drama aside in the space that I frequent, and there's a lot of new people in there. You know, it's a nice mix of new people coming in and seasoned folk. And everybody is welcomed whether you're new you identify as rubber you identify as trans whatever i don't think i've ever seen anybody not felt welcomed or at least not that i've heard of um and all the new people have come up to the rest of us who are seasoned and be like hey can you show me this or ask questions about kink and not necessarily just how to throw a flogger, you know, or a whip. And yeah. That's, I, I think that's the difference we were talking about earlier in the, in the, the path of leather or the, the, the path of, of just BDSM or kink. But as a final thought, my biggest takeaway is, is what Ms. Bruce said. Uh, I think what you said, and not or, is a huge jump-off point moving forward for what we're talking about for solidarity and leather, is to emphasize the and 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 minimize the or. That's, Rue, that's, yeah. that's profound. Yeah, it is. It was. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's, I think it's relevant and doable because it's action-based. And I think if people see everybody doing it, they're more likely to do it. Oh, well, this they're doing this over here, and that's mm-hmm. been so successful. Or, oh, I heard this happened over here, and it, it went so well. I, I think when people see success and see good in, in, in how different things are, are happening and, and being managed, they want to mimic that. And mm-hmm. so if we can, we can be a, a stimulus for mimicking the and, then it's more likely to catch on than if we just look at people and tell people, well, you should be doing this, or you should be doing that. As in other ways, um, I, I see in leather also that we we got to lead by example, and that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it kind of goes back to the kid of be the change you want to see. Mm-hmm. Oh. One thing I, I 
I tell everybody that that talks to me about leather or even just about kink is don't rush anything. I, I think that's that's one of the most important things you could really absorb is to not rush anything. Don't rush any of this. Don't try to learn the the hardcore thing as quickly as you can. Don't don't try to to figure it all out. Just as as you know, as there are so many people in this with more experience than than I do, I'm sure can can validate there's there's no end to any of this there's no there's no okay i'm done i've learned all the things what's next you know it's it's go slow and you know really really take your time through it it's it's mm-hmm. a stroll through a park not a not a sprint or a marathon or anything like that it's just a a stroll and you go only as far as what you're comfortable with. And, you know, if, if one group does things a certain way, but you don't really agree with that, then great learn why they do it, but then learn how you can do it differently and keep challenging ideas and figuring out, you know, how to tailor your journey to you. Cause my journey is not your journey. No one else's journey is anyone else's uh, other journey. I mean, it's it's all personalized and, and fit to you. Yeah. Or you can be like me and actively try to run away and deny it, and it's still that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Wicked, Wicked, the only thing that's, that's all very good, uh, very strong, the only thing I would change is there is an end, but it's the ultimate end. And right. It involves, it involves a box. So. Yep. <laughs> this is true. And if you emphasize it that way, that's a, that's a good point. You know the what? end is your end. You're always learning. You're always on a journey. The day you think you know it all is the day you need to stop because you don't. It's true. Yeah. You've been lying to yourself then if, if that's your train of thought on that. Absolutely. I think the other thing is you want to make sure you're not trying to be somebody else. Don't be a yeah. clone of Dartax or your Oh, God, please don't. Through. Ride your own ride. For your Let sake, not mine. Ride your own ride. I agree, Matthew, but the world would be fun if we were all running around trying to be Dartax. No. Y'all y'all are liable <laughs> to get yourselves in real trouble trying to be me all the time. Trust me. I'll Come on now. Cool. You know y'all want to be me. <laughs> yeah, I want to be Kim. <laughs> I mean, I would certainly find that fascinating. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> right? And I am remiss, but I, I, I'm, I'm remiss. I wanted to say this very early on, but... Um, I am glad to see Kim survived the interrogation. Yes. 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 Come on, yes. come on the happy hour. We might I was be able gonna to say we, we don't have time to go at length, but I definitely am gonna be there to hear the details. No question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For that. I can vouch for in person witness that uh that it was a lot of fun. Yes, yes, thank you, wicked deeds. <laughs> okay. Um Imperatrix, is there anything final you want to add before we sign off? I just want to say I appreciate everyone's time. Um, I appreciate everybody being willing to come together like this. Um, Absolutely humbling that anybody would even care to help Dartax and I with this. So that's first and foremost amazing. But it's it's been great to learn more about each of you. um, You know, especially as we interact on the server. But I, I really appreciate just everybody's willingness to share and talk openly about some really tough shit. 
Yeah. So thank you. I mean, it's humbling to see that anybody's willing to put up with me for more than two hours at a time. So. Well, it was it was in spite of you that we did it. Not this because, is fair. I'm kidding. It's, I'm it's kidding. Really I'm kidding. <laughs> it's really Knox, not you, Dark really I mean, there I was, was a, say, I'm I'm here. I'm just I here. Mean, the there was a <laughs> there was a joke made on our last episode, um, or it might have been two ago at this point. That was by yeah. one of my good friends in the Minnesota community, who's part of our our other server there. Um, in the comment about I'm here because I like the sound of my own voice. Knox is here to add class to it. <laughs> and while no i don't talk for the sake of the sound of my own voice because that would get really old very fucking quickly as far as i'm concerned she definitely adds class to it not because i can't have any but i'm just not that kind of person 24 7 and i'm okay with that once we once we get off going live uh can we go back to the the heavy breathing into the the microphones yeah. i think that <laughs> yes please <laughs> I, I, was, I, I would like to take the opportunity to say thank you for inviting me I I enjoyed it thoroughly, and those of you that have been, I know some of you have been to Librarian Speaks and recently Leather Chronicles. the The point of those is the same point as this: it's to get the conversations out there in front of more people. Exactly. They need to be had. It's about exposure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you yeah, all. For thank coming. you very much. Y'all absolutely tickle me pink to show up here today as a group. It's absolutely <laughs> humbling beyond words. Well, thank you to both. Dartax and Knox for having us here and doing this in general. Well. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. Everyone have a wonderful rest of your days. You too. You too.